I mean, we're probably one of the largest LGBTQ family organizations in the nation. We need to be visible in our state and with boots on the ground so that our families here can see us. They can partake and, and their kids can see other families. In 2017, I had it all, but it was a world built on a secret that I didn't want to deal with and could no longer contain. And that's when it all came crashing down. You can't stay in the closet when the floor gives way. This is Falling Out. Welcome to this episode of Falling Out. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, and today we are talking about LGBT families. If you have stayed up with any of the news lately, you know that there has been some issues more lately, especially in Texas and some of our more conservative red states, where there are political attacks against LGBT families, either parents who have LGBT kids, especially trans children, or those families who are adopting and trying to live their lives. Today, we are going to dive into some of that, dive into some resources and things that we think would be helpful to those families out there who are looking for support. My guest today is Kimberly Cantor. Kimberly is the practice manager at Birch Law, where she provides services focusing on wills, trust, living wills, power of attorney, probate, immigration, and business law. Kimberly's true passion is in volunteering her time and service for the LGBT community. In 2012, she founded Rainbow Roundup. Originally, it was just a Facebook group for North Texas LGBT families that has now grown to over 2,000 active and engaged participants across the North Texas Metroplex. In 2015, due to tremendous success, Rainbow Roundup officially became a 501c3 organization. As founder and executive director, Kimberly helps to organize monthly events, connects families to resources and supports, and creates an environment for individuals to develop rich networks and lifelong friendships. She also serves on the Family Equality Council's Network Advisory Council. Additionally, Kimberly is the co-chair of the Family Pride Zone, which is in conjunction with Dallas Pride, which provides a family-friendly outdoor space for LGBTQ parents and children. I had a chance to attend this year, and it was a fabulous time full of resources and, and various organizations and fun for families to be in a safe and brave space. Kimberly received her BS and MS degrees in kinesiology from the University of North Texas and Texas Women's University, respectively, specializing in adaptive physical activity. She is married to her wife, Lori Birch. They are both advocates in the LGBT community. Kimberly is also a proud mother of three cherished daughters. This tight-knit, energetic family is most often found exploring and engaging in fun and educational activities involving exhibits, parks, performances, and a wide variety of community events. Please welcome to the show, Kimberly Cantor. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for being on the show. Welcome. Welcome to Falling Out. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for asking me. We just want to start with your story. This is kind of how we start all of our interviews for the show, is finding out more about you. I know we want to get into a lot of the organizations that you work with and, and, and the impact it can have on our listeners. But let's start with your story. Where do you come from? And, you know, maybe how was coming out for you as an experience and, and 
And how does it bring you to this incredible place that you are in your life today? Sure, absolutely. Well, I'm actually originally from upstate New York. I moved here in the middle of my junior year in high school and then ended up going to University of North Texas, Southwest Texas, which I guess isn't Southwest Texas anymore, and then went to Texas Women's University for my master's and everything. So, you know, just my story, like so many others that are about my age and everything, you know, there just weren't those I'd say role models and everything really to come out with and see, um, you know, and have them visible in the community and everything. And so it was definitely hard, I would say, as compared to, but not as hard as as others, for sure. You know, finding self-help books on my own and hiding them and, you know, trying to look towards different role models. I mean, at that time, I think it was like, Ellen was really the only one (laughs) that was coming out, you know, on TV and everything. And so that was kind of, in a nutshell, my story and just experimenting through through college and everything and trying to find myself. And I mean, I will will share that, you know, it wasn't easy. Um, I had family members that that said that they wouldn't love me anymore kind of thing if I was. And you you just have to, for me, I I had to just be me, you know, and so I was hopeful and, and I'm been very blessed and very lucky that my family's come around and we have mutual respect for each other and everything so that's kind of going back back in the day but well and and we're probably from the same kind of generation because I I think you know I remember probably being early college or or maybe even high school when Ellen did come out and like watching that show and like mom would come in the room what are you watching nothing nothing (laughs) I'm I'm good it's just it's real funny it's real funny what is it no no well let's not talk about it yeah but um you talked about exploring like self-help books and things of that nature were you in college when you came out or were you like still in New York and in high school I was, I was, I'd say, like early on in college. So, I mean, I was, I was in high school when I was probably questioning and everything, but I didn't really know much about it. I was, you know, I'd say probably more so in denial. And then in college, was exposed to a lot more, and obviously, hit the gaberhood over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's one of the interesting things when you say that, and what, what I'm trying to connect to, I think is we've talked a lot of times on the show about the don't say gay bills and some of the book banning and the things that are going on across the state and across the nation. And it's funny because I think coming from that generation, we didn't have those books anyway. And we did, nobody said gay in school. It was, you know, our teachers, there might've been some safe places within our school or at least some, you know, brave spaces with certain teachers that we could go to, but we didn't have this, whatever the other side is calling this indoctrination. We didn't see it on television. We didn't see it in our classrooms. It wasn't in the curriculum. And and I don't think it really is now either. Having been a teacher for years, I didn't see it then either. So so to me, you know, I I always kind of like to address that with people who went through that phase is like, would that have made a difference? You know, if if someone was presenting that material, it's like, we didn't have it, so how did we end up here? I right. guess that's really my question. Yeah, is, I mean, and we didn't have the GSAs that some of the schools have nowadays. And, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it was easy for anyone else necessarily, like in our generation as well. A lot of people had a lot of struggles and a lot of difficulties. So, you know, I definitely know that I'm very grateful for my situation. I like to just point out the ridiculousness of some of this rhetoric we're hearing, because I know we're going to talk about some of those things later, but the idea of if I didn't have those influences and I still came to recognize who I was, 
then why do you think removing them from from schools or, or making such a big political thing out of this is even beneficial? And I always like to point that out to our listeners because I know we have a lot of people listening from from all different backgrounds and, and just to point that out. I want to kind of transition a little bit from that beginning to the beginnings of, of Rainbow Roundup yeah, or, or maybe even talk a little bit about your career and what got you to saying, this is something I need. I know a little bit of your background. I know a little bit about your family, but our listeners don't. And I think you have a beautiful family. Thank you. And I think I'm sure that had a lot of influence on you to, to the creation of Rainbow Roundup and realizing the, the needs that were out there. I, I like to call you know our family like the modern blended family because um, I do have an ex-wife and we did have two kids together and then I am currently married and we did have two more kids together. <laughs> we are finished now having kids, but we're, we call ourselves the banter six because it's a combination of birch and canter. So, but yeah, um, I'd say, you know, uh, when I first was going through my separation, my divorce with my ex-wife, there just weren't the resources and the support there for families. Now, I mean, there were resources and support for individuals and adults and, and maybe, you know, kids and things like that, but not for the dynamic that I was looking for. Um, I definitely, I wanted to, at that time, I was looking for areas to live um, that had schools for our kids that they could be comfortable going to because not only do we come out on a regular basis, you know, to teachers, to administration, but our kids are coming out regularly. You know, I mean, any, any new friend that they're making or any new teacher that they have or the administration there and everything. So you want to make sure that you're putting them in a supportive and, and loving environment. So, I mean, looking at, you know, school districts, looking at pediatricians, I mean, looking at daycares, you know, it was super important to me to find um, a safe place to put my kids in. And even now, um, and I have, you know, this is years later, we're about to celebrate like a, our 10 year anniversary with Rainbow Roundup. Even now, like it was still hard to find a nanny, even going through the whole process, you know, that we, we were on the same page with because, you know, unfortunately it still happens in this, you know, in this day and age that people just don't agree with, you know, our air quotes lifestyle, you know, or, or don't approve of. And so they don't, you know, we would definitely not be a good fit. <laughs> Kimberly, how old are your kids? Kind of what, what is yeah. that age range? So we do have quite, quite the spread. Yeah. <laughs> we have a 17 year old, um, we have a 12 year old and those two are the older ones with my ex-wife. And then um, we started, you know, to add to our family with my with my current wife and everything. So we now have a three year old, and then we also have a fourteen week old. Definitely have some some good helpers there <laughs> within the family, and and actually my seventeen year old is is watching our our littlest one right now as we speak. But just going back to you know forming Rainbow Roundup, there just weren't the resources there available, um, readily available to be able to find. Even to find, I was so concerned when I was going through my divorce my separation because at that time it actually wasn't even legal to get divorced we got married in California you had to live in California in order to get divorced like for six months and we were teachers and we couldn't we couldn't do that we couldn't just you know head to California so until marriage equality and which actually happened to be at about the same time California actually changed their law just shortly before that, like that January before that, that you could get divorced in another state if you got married in California. So it was it was a very tricky situation there, but there just weren't the resources to even find an attorney. You know, going through this experience, like 
it's a lot of trust that you put into someone. And, you know, I mean, especially having kids and everything, you want to make sure you're in the right hands and, and things are going to go the way, you know, the best they can. Because even at that time, you know, I was concerned about losing custody of, of my child, you know, that my ex-wife carried that I adopted. What was visitation going to look like and everything? So so it was kind of scary, and, and I wanted a support group. I wanted a, um, some resources to reach out and to help others. And since really the resources just weren't there, I thought, well, there's no better time, you know, but now to start this. And I started Rainbow Roundup with like 19 people that I knew that had kids and added them into the group. And, and, thought, and that group was like a Facebook group was kind of what you That's started. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, it was a Facebook group and it was a, a closed group at the time. It was actually a secret group at the time before, you know, we made it like a, a more of a closed group to request uh, to have be added into it but we also have the public page as well now where you can where you can absolutely access all of our events and upcoming things that we're doing so I added 19 people in it to start and then I mean it just quickly people were adding people like and it was like quickly not 19 it was like 100 then it was like 200 and 300 and like thousands you know so I mean like there's definitely showing that there was a need there and one of our first events that we actually did and I've held monthly events um, Rainbow Roundup has held monthly events since we started Rainbow Roundup, which is actually back in 2012. And we've we've always had monthly events. And we like to move our events from different cities, you know, across DFW so that we can have access to all families. And we do try to make them as low cost as possible. One of our first events that we had for Rainbow Roundup, we had like over a hundred people come out, you know, for the for the zoo event. So that was really fantastic. But with growing Rainbow Roundup, we're able to share even more resources and support and our kids can see other kids and they can you know know other families so they're they're not like the only family in their school that might look like their family and I know I've heard many kids over time say you know how that they'll go to an event and they don't have to like explain their family to them they just can be kids and have fun we've talked we've talked a lot about that a few times with therapy and it's something that I'm even aware of as a therapist in my office I know a lot of times therapists don't like to reveal anything about themselves but I always self-identify with my clients and the reason for that is is the same thing because I have seen clients there's almost this just release of anxiety or this moment where they go, oh, I don't have to explain who I am. And I think it, it, it is, you know, in our schools, in our counseling sessions, when we're putting the onus on our clients or the people we serve to teach us, it, it's a burden that they shouldn't have to carry. And so it, I, I can relate to that idea because I've seen it in my own office where people go, oh, I don't, I don't have to tell you who I am. Sure. And, and I don't have to teach you about my identity or existence right and I think that's powerful and I think also I'm just going back to like you know the resources and everything um, that you know we like to connect our families to I mean like some of the businesses you know that we come in touch with and just by being visible and being ourselves, you know some of them aren't trying to necessarily discriminate you know like they're just they just don't know you know they don't know how to get on board with just what's what's best for all families so for example the pediatrician that we ended up going with um, for our family they were listed as lgbtq friendly 
but you wouldn't know it because the first time I walked into their office at first, the paperwork that I had to fill out, it was really disheartening because, you know, it's got mother, father. And so they actually were willing to change it. And the next time we even came in, they wanted to point it out to us that they made those changes, which is really fantastic. But I mean, it's just, it's so important for, you know, I mean, like for us to see ourselves, you know, like in the businesses that we support and everything too. You talked about this a little, and we might want to go a little deeper with it. There are challenges, especially in the state of Texas, but also across the country for LGBT families in just what you're talking about, finding a pediatrician, finding, you know, what school districts are going to be, you know, affirmative to our children, finding therapists, things of that nature. What are some of those challenges that you have faced in your family that maybe a lot of people don't think about? Because I I definitely know a lot of our our listeners are cisgender heterosexual allies that listen to our show every week, and they don't know some of the challenges that we're facing and, and what is so different about, you know, some of these laws and things that are going to affect. So, like, for you just personally... What are some of those challenges that that you think you face that other people would never even dream of? Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's so many. (laughs) It's hard to pick a few. Um, But, I mean, like, let's just start from here currently. I mean, our 12-year-old daughter is going to a new school this year, um, and, you know, they're very welcoming, very accepting. And we would have never thought to take our kids out of necessarily public school because we've had such great experiences. But, unfortunately, things are changing, you know, with the laws and just the, the school boards, you know, the way things are going with the school boards and, and, you know, book bans and just, I mean, things like... Just not even, even being able to have rainbows in a classroom. Right. You know? We're actually taking a different direction there and, and putting our daughter into another school that we think, you know, really... I guess, sees things a little bit differently. And so we're giving that a try. But even going back to my, you know, most recent marriage, (laughs) um, and it's not super recent. I mean, it's like over, you know, seven years now kind of thing. But I mean, those are all the things that you have to consider when you're looking at like someone that's a photographer. And we, you know, we went to Graceland in Memphis, you know, when, especially when you're out of state and you're looking for people and everything, it's unfortunately, you know, something, but we had to ask, you know, like if they're LGBTQ friendly and to share, you know, their thoughts on that and everything, because looking at someone that would bake a cake for us, looking at someone that would talk, you know, be a photographer and just all the things that, that go with that, um, our venue and everything too. So we, we wanted to make sure it was special for us, but those are just a a couple things, but like I already, um, alluded to, and I talked about, I mean, even finding a nanny here recently, I mean, people wouldn't think, you know, that that would be something that you have to consider and and think about. But, um, I mean, definitely thinking about the schools and, and nannies and, and people that work for you. And and Kimberly, like, how does that affect your mental state just kind of on a day to day? And how do you deal with that? Because I I know, again, just from my own personal experience, it's like, wow, how many times do I just have to, you know, fight to exist? Yeah. And just to be, you know, accepted as a regular person like everybody else. Completely. I mean, it was very, very, especially this time around. I mean, like in this day and age that we have to deal with that. And it was very disheartening. So it was very upsetting because it's like, you know, I mean, like I want to also work while I also keep my child home and everything and it's like you want to find a good fit and it it was very 
it, it hurt a lot. It stung, you know, like speaking to people that you're so excited to talk to or, you know, you'd communicated with and, and things sounded great or you've even brought in someone to your family. So, you, you know, we had to be upfront, I'd say, about our family and our, our dynamics and everything to make sure that we're a good fit for, for each other. But it was definitely a struggle. It was hard. Did you actually sit down with people who just flat out rejected? I did not because of I had more communication beforehand before actually bringing them in. And so most of the communication was on a phone call, you know, or like a video interview. But yeah, it was it was very hurtful. So and in, in that affects not only me, but it, that affects our family. I mean, like, you know, my even my 12 year old who just had her bat mitzvah, she even mentioned that in her in her speech, you know, like it's it affects all of us. And she's upset that we even had to go through something like that. Talking to a lot of our listeners out there, when we say we live in a very heteronormative world, that's kind of what we're referencing. And people are, oh, it's, you know, it, we're all progressive. Y'all have Pride Month. Everyone's happy. What I don't understand. What's the struggle? And I think it's that. At a different counseling practice I was working at prior, we were looking to hire therapists and we were reaching out. And we had some who said, I'm not comfortable working with those people. And I just remember going home with the weight of that on my shoulders, like, who are you? And, and I, I want to go have a personal conversation face to face and find out what do you mean by that? Because yeah. I went... That still exists. And, and I know that still exists. And I know there's people out there and the rhetoric that's being tossed around. But it was disheartening to go. It, it, it's made, shocking. Me, it made me feel less than. Yeah. Like suddenly I'm not on the same plane that I think I am with everyone else right. when you hear that pushback. And especially for, you know, individuals like you and myself and everything, I mean, who are who live our lives out, you know, and I mean, like, we are very well respected and everything and that um, this is, you know, who we are and how we live and everything. So it, it is pretty shocking. It's very disheartening and it's still very hurtful. And so, Kimberly, like, so what are some of the things that you do either with your partner, with your family to kind of, you know, combat those negative emotions? I mean, I know obviously probably through Rainbow Roundup, you know, having such a great support support group is obviously, you know, wonderful to have that network there. But are there anything else you guys do, like family chats or family therapy, things like that? I mean, personally, no. I mean, we just try to be visible in the community. And I mean, our kids are very comfortable. They know, for example, my my wife right now is at Flower Mound Pride. (laughs) She's speaking (laughs) and then she'll be speaking again this evening at the Ann Richards dinner. So I mean, like we just, you know, we we just make ourselves visible and we hope um, to change hearts and minds. And I mean, we're just very blessed that our kids are really on the same page with us and you know and they're very open as well and I mean they'll share to anyone that you know however many moms because I mean like for example (laughs) my 12 year old has three moms you know because she has my ex-wife and she has myself and then she has a stepmom it's just she they've always been been that way so but we've always also been very open with them so in sharing everything one of the things you said earlier or at least I was reading in your bio earlier is that the group is now kind of grown to 2,000 families. I like to point that out because, again, I think when we hear a lot of this legislation, we hear a lot of these things going on, a a lot of my friends who are not personally affected think it's not an issue. Like, what, is that like three people? (laughs) And and it's not. I mean, just in your group alone, there's 2,000 families. And more. I mean, I'd say there's like probably 3,000 plus, you know, that are And so many more out there around the state. For sure. And so when these these 
bills are being pushed through, it really does impact people. And, and it's kind of this is a little bit of a call of action, a call to action for my friends who can, can help get involved and, and push through positive legislation for our community because this does impact more. Like just the, the bill this last year or the, when Greg Abbott tried to convince the department you know, to go after families of, of trans children and things, that affects a lot of people. It does. A lot of voters, just FYI, but a lot of families are being impacted by that. And I think for the, our allies out there who it doesn't impact, they need to know the impact of that. So, you know, with Rainbow Roundup, did it surprise you to, to go from that small group of 12 to suddenly 3,000 plus? I mean, was that kind of overwhelming? Yeah, no, I mean, I'd say like at the beginning, it was just so exciting, you know, and it's so great to see like there's so many other families out there. And actually, like you just be shocked, like in Texas, I mean, we're probably one of the largest LGBTQ family organizations in the nation. I mean, we do have some parent groups that we look to, such as Family Equality, but, you know, they they only meet, for example, like once a year for one big, you know, event that's in P-Town, which is an incredible event that I look forward to going to at some point, but not all families have access to do something like that. We need to be visible in our state and with boots on the ground so that our families here can see us you know and so that they can partake and and their kids can you know see other families mm-hmm. so i i've seen some of the you know the events that you guys did you talked about the zoo um event you guys have a camping trip coming yeah. up yeah we have an upcoming camping trip it's actually the weekend of um the 23rd and we have from our from our invite what i see we have over i'd say like we have about 250 that are going and I mean that's that's huge it's really big so um, we look forward to it we're excited about it (laughs) it is a lot of s'mores and and definitely reach out if you're wanting to donate or you know provide any kind of volunteer service we're we're always looking for that as well but yeah we have our camping trip which is upcoming Um, we're looking forward to that we also partner with a lot of organizations so one of our other largest events is International Family Equality Day and that happens the first weekend in May every year and we've partnered with um, Equality Texas we've partnered partnered with Trans Kids and Families of Texas, and we've also partnered with um, HRC and everything, too, for certain events. But we, we do like to partner with as many organizations as possible so that, you know, we can we can get the word out there about our organization and that we can share more resources with our families. Let me ask this, because you were talking about, you know, the early days when you were looking for resources for your sure. family. Historically, and and Correct me if I'm wrong, but historically in our community, those resources have been maybe more directed towards individuals, whether it was people living with HIV or medications or maybe even to some degree focused mostly on gay white men. I'm sure that's going <laughs> to ruffle some feathers. And I, yeah. <laughs> sorry, but it's true. So, you know, I think that's what I love about your organization is the fact that here's this need for families. And a lot of people, when they think about giving or donating to the LGBT community, they're only thinking about helping out this pocket of gay men or this, you know, one organization. So for you, was that kind of what you saw historically? Yeah. And that kind of spurred on that that drive to make this happen? Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, you definitely hit the nail on the head, you know, that we – 
we just didn't have the resources there. There were resources for individuals. There's obviously um, the resource center who has, you know, youth first and everything for kids, but there just weren't for specifically for families. And so, you know, that's why we share, you know, like about businesses and such that we, that we use within the group, within the organization so that um, we can better help each other. For sure. So, but no, I mean, it's still it's still a struggle as far as our fundraising and everything. We, you know, we are a small but very mighty organization. Small meaning, you know, small as compared to some of the larger organizations, national organizations like HRC and, and Equality Texas and everything. And so, it does make it hard, especially since most of our participants and members are, you know, have families themselves. So it's hard for them to put in those volunteer hours, or you know, it's sometimes a struggle financially for them. To to donate. Let's get into the meat of what Rainbow Roundup does, because I, I know you're talking about a lot of those things. And yeah. so just for anyone who's not familiar with the organization, if they were to connect with you, what can they expect? I know you mentioned the zoo event and the camping trip, but there's so much more. So if you can give us the you know, breakdown as extensive as you want to go of what this organization does and how it helps families in Texas, even maybe in political action events as well. What is Rainbow Roundup? Going back to even just the name Rainbow Roundup, I was trying to come up with something when I was founding it. What what would we call it? And we wanted to round up all the rainbow families, you know, so that we could be able to be together and um, participate in educational events, social events, you know, and and then of course the the sharing of the resources. So I mean, that's really what it is. It's it's allowing families to connect and engage together. And um, like you said, we you know we do so much more as far as our events. We you know we do monthly events. Um, we do try to go to other places, even rural areas. Um, we have participated in a number of pride events. I mean, we are part of the Dallas Pride. We even participate in putting together and putting on the Family Pride Zone area for Dallas Pride. Um, we've been to Denton Pride. We've been to, you know, Frisco Pride. We've been to Sherman Pride. I mean, we've been all over the place. Um, and that's, even if it's just one family that we meet and we touch, it's that one family that we've made a difference. And I, if I could just give you one example, even, you know, I've, I've had a family actually come up to me that said that they've just, we've just changed their life, their world for their family. It's just made such a huge difference. It is life changing for some of our families. And we do connect our families to other organizations such as Trans Kids and Families of Texas. But um, they did say that, that their child, you know, like had never been um, exposed to other families and they just they never even knew that other families existed and I mean like it's just brought tears to to some of our families faces that they have this support and that they can see each other and, and Kimberly so say say if you know me and my partner we're looking to start a family like what are some of the the pitfalls or things you know that we should be looking out for that the rainbow roundup could help with sure potentially? I mean you know definitely it would be connecting you to resources such as like you know what 
what attorneys to use, you know, like depending on what kind of family you're trying to build, if you're trying to adopt, like we would guide you and tell you like, you know, what organizations are out there. Like for example, Jonathan's Place is extremely LGBTQ friendly if you're looking to adopt, if you're looking to, you know, have a surrogate and everything, like, you know, what is the process? And and people have joined the group even before they have kids so that they can share and find out. For example, we have Conceived Fertility, we have Fertility Specialists of Texas, both of those businesses are very LGBTQ friendly. So we would, you know, there's other dads in the group that can guide you on the process and how, you know, or other moms, you know, that can guide you on their process and what they went through to share their experiences so that it'll make it easier for, you know, whoever it is that's looking to build their family. Because I think it's that, you know, it, it takes a village, right? And, it does. and for our village looks a lot different than most, you know, heterosexual couples. So Ab- absolutely. There's prob- a lot to navigate for sure. And what are some of those challenges there, especially in light of some of the legislation that, that's been going around the right. state? I've heard certain attorneys or certain people say that, you know, if you are a blended family like this, or if you are an LGBT family, the importance of adopting the children that maybe you didn't carry. Absolutely. You know, and, and I know there's some, I guess, different designations between who is the biological parent, who, which parent may have carried them. They may not be the same. Yeah. And so I know that can get tangled. Right. And with some of these things that are getting pushed through in legislation, I've heard, especially, you know, with the Dobbs ruling and things, you know, earlier of maybe you need to get those adoptions in order. Sure. You know, so, so like what's yeah, the I'm, impact of that? Yeah. And I'm not an attorney. Let's just say that, but sure. my wife is, <laughs> but I'm not an attorney. So definitely speak to an attorney, but, um, I can, you know, speak to my experience and what I've had. And, you know, I do have an ex-wife and we did each carry a child. So it's so important, you know, for us to both adopt, you know, a lot of people just don't even know why it's so important. I mean, it's not enough to have your name on the birth certificate. It's not enough. You know, I mean, like if you want to have legal rights and I mean, who knows, you know, what what could be in the future. So it is so important to make sure that you have your I's dotted and your T's crossed. But even with my my wife right now, you know, it's so important. She's actually an estate planning attorney that does wills, trusts and powers of attorney with Birch Law, Lori Birch. But it's even so important for us. She is the one. It's her embryo that I carried. And so it's actually her genetic, you know, like biological children that I carried and everything and it's still important she has to go through the process to adopt um, our kids together and people don't even think of that or know why that's so important but I mean in a state's law you know like they would be her heirs but you know in you know in everyday life she's not recognized as the other parent unless she actually you know um, births a child or adopts a child because that's what's identified you know um, in the like family code laws and everything Thing. Is that who's is that parent, different is who's though? I mean, obviously for heterosexual couples, that's different because whoever provides the genetic material, the the male in this case in those particular relationships, did, doesn't carry the child, but they're still legally the parent. They right. don't have to adopt. Yeah. So this is just specific to LGBT families. Right. And this is Texas as well. I mean, things are different in in different states and everything, but I mean, you know, it's even different for for dads and everything too, because even in the heterosexual world, like someone can, a man can be presumed a father and then like they get their legal rights, you know, in that manner. But like, I mean, it's just very different for, for example, our experience, my wife. 
So just very important to definitely, you know, when you're building your family to reach out to professionals to make sure that you're, you're doing the right thing that will protect your family so that you can be there to, you know, for your family when it's most needed. Speaking of Texas and with all the things that are happening in our world these days, what are things that Rainbow Roundup are doing to maybe help families who are dealing with these different difficult laws or even maybe some things that you're doing to help change legislation or, or activism in that regard? I mean, we're not built on, you know, like I'd say, like advocacy in that aspect um, politically, but we do like to partner with other organizations such as Equality Texas and Family Equality and things like that who are doing the advocacy. So, you know, for example, our big um, International Family Equality Day where we partner with Equality Texas or like, you know, we've been beneficiaries of Black Tie Dinner in the past and things like that and so there are many other organizations that we partner with that are doing the work you know like um, and going to Austin and and really fighting for our rights but we do like to provide you know the support whether it be through volunteerism or through financial or just getting their name out there as well and sharing contacts and resources but as far as for the families I mean what we're doing is we're connecting you know our families to those different resources so for example if someone's coming to us that's you know that that just I mean just on a regular basis we get people that come to us that you know their their child has identified as LGBTQIA and they're just wondering like where do they even start so I mean we'll give them a starting point as to different organizations to contact and you know, what we have to offer within our organization as well. Speaking of those families, so I'm assuming that there's a lot of different families represented, like family of trans kids. Like if I'm a heterosexual couple, but I have a trans kid, can I come to Rainbow Roundup? Absolutely. If I'm, you know, a lesbian couple with kids, can I come? If I'm a gay couple with kids, can I come? I mean, like, what do those Absolutely. family makeups look like? There? Yeah, all of those things. I mean, we definitely cater to our families that identify as LGBTQIA and that plus in that they have kids that may, you know, may not identify, but they also may identify. But then in addition, we have so many allies that are part of our organization that just want to participate and just want their kids to see all families that, you know, are loving families. But then we also have families that reach out to us that that do have kids that identify and you know they they want they want their kids to see um, other families that are successful that are loving families and yes we we welcome everyone to join us to partake so let me ask you this what has been for you personally the impact of not just developing and creating rainbow roundup but just the impact of the organization itself on you and your family. Sure. Well, personally, I mean, I'm married to my wife now. <laughs> she was actually added to the organization as a resource and support for other families. And, and so I actually met my wife, not, you know, not by that way, just because she was a resource for the organization. And actually, there's such more a longer story <laughs> into that and how we met. But, you know, we don't have enough time for that. Rainbow Roundup is not a dating it service. Is not. So that we is, just want to make that clear. That is correct. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, that that is definitely clear. That's the impact, impact on me personally. <laughs> but that wasn't the point of the organization. Correct. I'd say, I mean, personally, like I said, I mean, 
on a daily basis, we, you know, we have to come out and, and share our lives with everyone. And so, I mean, I'm on a regular basis having to use the resources and support that we have in Rainbow Roundup. So like I said, I mean, even looking at daycares and, and schools and things like that and areas that we live in, you know, different attorneys and things like that that we need or therapists like yourself, you know, that we're always looking for, for resources to add to our collection to be able to share with our families. And Kimberly, what do you see for the future of Rainbow Roundup? Like, where do you see kind of the path going? What's your sure. ideal, you know, end, end goal, end game? I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we have started, uh, it's called Rainbow Roundup uh, Family Connections, um, which is kind of like within each county. Um, we have like Dallas County, Tarrant County, Collin County. We have, you know, all Johnson County, um, and they're doing meetups. So we have leaders um, within the community so that they can meet other families locally. And then when we have our larger events, and then the families can come together and really know other families and not feel, you know, for example, like uncomfortable just because you know they're all they're they've never met anyone before not everyone is as outgoing (laughs) as myself and we'll talk to anyone so we're working on that and then we also have a youth group as well that's kind of meeting up and doing activities too so like last month we did do a roller skating event but they also like to do things like volunteer in the community so we have someone that's heading up also like you know like kind of a teen group I'd say so Let's just take a moment to connect parents out there for people with families that maybe have been looking for an organization just like this. How can they find you? How can they get connected with you? How can they get connected with these resources? I mean, we're primarily, I'd say we post all of our events on Facebook. We do have a website, but just because we are a small nonprofit, it is hard to keep that, you know, up to date and maintained and everything. So, hey, if you're out there and you you do that kind of work, reach out to me because we could use your assistance too. But but no, really, definitely reach out through Facebook. Um, we, we respond very quickly. We do have a closed group um, where we do share those resources and support and you can actually post your scenario or your situation or reach out to us to post anonymously or um, we do have a public group as well where we're posting all of our events and activities or or places that we support and want to share their their events and resources I did want to ask this before we're done today because this is something I think even we faced in the mental health world and and other organizations especially in Texas in our current political climate When we post things like this or when we open a counseling office and we want to let people know that we're affirming or that we're running a transgender group or things like that, we have found, especially in this world of social media, that we get a lot of pushback and a lot of vitriol. And and we're trying to figure out ways to market who we are. And, and try to keep away some of those things because, I mean, in sure. mental health for us, I know we're also, you know, my particular office is seeing majority LGBTQ clients, but we have other offices that we're connected to that are seeing more of a gen pop kind of demographic. So for you, have you guys experienced that yeah. and what do you do about it? Yeah, we have. And I mean, it's unfortunate. But, um, you know, for example, some of the events that we have, like our International Family Equality Day, we do have like a police present that we have for our events just to make sure that things are safe for our families. So we do consider those things when we plan our events as well for security purposes. But we have never had any incidents so to say, it's just we like to be, you know, take precaution um, and everything. But then also, you know, we've had, we've partnered with events like the Dallas Library where they've had the, 
drag, you know, story time and everything. And and we have had incidences there where, you know, they've had some pushback and everything and some protesters and things like that. And so, yeah, it's unfortunately we we do, you know, have to consider those things. But but we, we do, you know, I'd say communicate with the city and everything. And we just ensure that safety is the number one priority. Yeah, and, and I think for a lot of us in the community, that just becomes part of our existence to some degree. But I also think it's so important, and you've said it earlier, to maintain that visibility. Yeah. To show up. We do. And you know what? We may face some pushback. We may face some negative things there. But there is no reason for us to go back into hiding because we're here and we're existing and we're living our lives and – I don't want to shy away from that, but it is a challenge sometimes. Sure, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, and I mean, we're not we're not going anywhere, you know. Even <laughs> though, um, you know, everything is happening here in Texas the way things are, we're we're here to to be visible and to show up and to show our kids that we're not going to run from a situation. Yeah. And that's so important and powerful for our kids. You know, um, I was in a training yesterday, and and I think I said it earlier in the podcast, but we talked about safe spaces. And one of the things we, they mentioned was there really aren't safe spaces. Safe spaces don't truly exist. And we kind of shifted that narrative from safe space to brave space. And I, I think that's so important because that's what I see you doing. That's what I see Rainbow Roundup doing. And it's so important to create that brave space yeah, for I families to exist in. Well, thank you, Kimberly, so much for being on the show today. Yeah. Thank uh, you I, both. I love your organization. I love what it does. I think it's so important, and, and we wanted to have you on to share that connection and those resources to the families, especially some of the things that we're seeing in Texas that can be so disheartening. I just want to commend you on the work. I want to say thank you for the work and encourage you in any way we possibly can. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wow. Uh, What a great interview. I mean, I know as someone who's always kind of potentially been thinking of starting a family to know that I already have a network and and such a great resource to get plugged in. You know, I come from my own kind of modern family. My my mother was a later in life lesbian and I, I watched them kind of work through those struggles of figuring out wills, end of life plans, being on the same insurance plans, things like that, that, you know, in 2012, you know, marriage equality wasn't a thing yet. And so a lot of those things were up in the air. And unfortunately, they kind of are still today. Well, and I, I just wasn't aware of, of some of the resources they provide, like even just the adoption assistance, mm-hmm. because that is such a long and tedious process. And, and you need that guidance. You need to know, especially if you don't know someone who has adopted. So just those resources. And I, I think it's such, so important, you know, a lot of times in our community, there are these needs. There are these issues that come up. I, I love Kimberly's story that, you know, I saw a need, so I filled it. And now it's it's impacting so many other families around Texas. I think that's that's great. But, you know, that's kind of the story of our community and, and who we are. And it's good for us to be able to showcase those organizations so that people know there is a place to go. There is a way to navigate these things. We as a community are resilient and we 
take care of each other and we create these things because we know that the government or other things aren't going to do it for us. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. Please make sure you're following us on our social media on Instagram at falling out LGBTQ pod on Twitter at falling LGBTQ and check out our website at falling out LGBTQ.com. We will see you next week. Remember you can't stay in the closet when the floor gives way. This is falling out.